Hey guys, it's Josh from JHS. Uh, you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. We love you. Hey guys, this is Ryan. And this is Steve. And uh, here we are. We're doing it again. Full episode. Well, <laughs> I thought you were going to sing a beat. Yeah, I decided not to. You sung one beat and then you quit. If it's just ah beat, is it really a you beat? You just went bump. What yeah. is that? What I was going to do. Um, what am I supposed to do? I was do about that? to segue into back in black. You know, bump, bada bump, bada bump. But then you lost your but, nerve. But then I was like, uh, we don't really need that. But then now you've kind of like guilted me into it. All right. Let's You're such talk a about, bully, Ryan. Let's talk about what we're drinking. Sure. Uh, this was suggested by Matthew Chittum a while ago, who's in the Facebook is group. Is that how you pronounce his name? I don't know. Okay. That's how it's spelled. Sure. Uh, this is Victory Brewing's uh, Golden Monkey. It's a Belgian-style triple with added spice. This tastes really nice. It's very boozy. I, I already finished off my first one with us recording those uh, Ad- Adventure Time episodes earlier. Right. Um, I am really feeling this. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. Did you have breakfast? I did have breakfast. I had a good breakfast, too. When I bought these, I also bought a, a turkey salad sandwich and okay. slammed it on the way over. So you had an early lunch. But I didn't have breakfast, so I've had like the same amount of food as you. It is hitting me hard, man. This is our first of two episodes we're recording here today. I'm You're all, starting I'm, your second starting number two beer over there. I will be, definitely be hitting number three. Oh my gosh! Uh, at some point, you wait to see what maybe you feel number like. maybe since you're not up for oh it, gosh. I'll just go for number four. You could go for five because I don't know if I'm going to be able to hit a second one. Hey, but uh, it is. If, I you, feel, if you offer me lunch, five could happen. If I took a if I took a second one right now, I don't don't think I'd make it to the next episode or the end of this episode. It's it's nine point five is what it says. Yep, that's strong, man. It, yep. t- it tastes great. But yeah, that's strong. At the end of at the end of the first one, I could definitely like taste the booziness in it for sure. But it's a nice triple, nice yeah. triple style. It's uh, it's surprisingly clear. I'm used to like Belgian styles that are like darker, I guess. Okay. Um, but it's got a really like nice. It sits very nicely. It's yeah. really smooth. Uh, but it's it's smooth, but in a flavorful way. Yeah. I'm kind of bummed with that. Uh, I should have told giving you a heads up that I was going to do this and we could have done a rig for your other channel. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to set up multiple things to record other things. <laughs> if you leave one though, we'll, we'll review it. Okay. Uh, for, 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 uh, if you look up a beer porn on YouTube, P O U R N. Yeah. We have a, a channel where we review beer. We also have a Facebook group. If is, you want to go look is that up. Aw, is all bottle enough? I mean, I guess it's a, yeah, we just do a bottle. Okay. Um, cool. so yeah, if you, if you leave a bottle, we'll do it for sure. We'll we were do- supposed to do that yesterday and we d- it just didn't happen. Slackers. I know. Um, Anyway, what's, what's new? What's new is we have just had like the craziest week. We have had all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, let's talk about the pedal that came in. I'm starting to think that that other thing we were going to talk about, maybe we should save that as the topic for the next episode. Okay. Okay. So that we had the tonal recall come in from Chase Bliss. I know we spent a bunch of time talking about uh, Joel Corte and Chase Bliss last week. Uh and I sent him the link to that. I was like, hey, God, I don't know if your ears were burning. We were talking about you a lot. Right. And, and plus he, he did the intro. Yeah. And he did the intro, which 
it totally didn't occur to me when I picked the intro. I was like, oh, here's Joel. I'll really? Put, I'll put him on here. And then as I started to edit the episode more, I was like, oh, yeah, we talked about him like nonstop this episode. That's funny. So it kind of worked out. Uh, and then I, you know, I emailed him and I didn't email him. I messaged him. and was like, I, I right. don't know if your ears were burning, but we were talking about you. And he was like, oh, shoot, I forgot to send you a tonal recall. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Send us a tonal recall. Yeah. yeah I hadn't thought about it. I've been so busy that I haven't even been thinking about it. Uh, so we have that in now. I'm going to demo it really soon here. So How have you liked it so far? It is wild, man. Like we were, last week we were talking about how people were, you know, critiquing it and complaining that it didn't, didn't have features that they want and stuff like that. I can fully say right now before the demo's even out. Right. This is not a pedal that is designed to compete with your other delay pedals. Sure. This is a standalone delay pedal that does crazy things so like don't don't ask oh how does it compare to my memory man 1100 how does it compare to my you know my panther cub you know like how does it compare to a timeline it's not those pedals it's not those delays right it is its own delay it does wild stuff honestly the way i've been using it is more along the lines of a hybrid between a delay and and like a chorusy vibrato, like weird noise making machine. Interesting. So it's really powerful in the realm of what it does. If you're looking for something to replace your timeline, this isn't it. Sure. And don't compare it to this because that's not what it's supposed to be. Uh, maybe you can compare it to some of the weirder offerings from Electro Harmonics. Right. Uh, just because those can get pretty weird. They can get you some weird sounds. But still, it's its own thing. And it's got the whole Chase Bliss outfit of hyper controllability right. that you're just not going to get from yeah, anything. Yeah, all from, of those dip switches yeah. and six knobs and expression control switches. and What I'm really loving on it, and I've this is after me talking about this is me talking about it after having used it for maybe an hour and a half yesterday because yeah. it showed up yesterday. What I'm really loving about it is you can set it so you know with a lot of Chase Bliss stuff you can set it so that there's the ramp setting that you can make certain settings kind of ramp back and forth. Yeah, on their own speed. I set the ramp to super slow mm -hmm. on the time control. And so the repeats are very subtly swelling in between being just higher pitch and then just lower pitch than what you're playing. And it gives you this really kind of lush chorusy sort of thing without being an obvious chorus sort of thing. Right. And I'm just really loving it. Like it's really a powerful sound. Cool. So it's it's its own thing hyper controllability don't compare it to other pedals because right. it's not other pedals it's not a pedal that's trying to compete for a place in the market against other delays it's its own thing for sure yeah this is the first pedal that chase bliss has put out that i've been super excited about uh -huh. and that's you know just because i'm not a trem guy i'm not a phaser guy i'm right. not a uh, so you did trem phaser. After I do the demo, you should forgot, take it and you should the, play with it. I forget what the other one they mm -hmm. have is, but I, they have the Wombo Tone, which is phaser. Uh -huh. The Gravitas, just trem. Uh -huh. The Warp Vinyl. What's the uh -huh. Warp Vinyl? They have the Spectre. 
the Spectre, which is like a flanger. Like these, they're they all sound really good from what I've heard, uh-huh. and I've heard at least three of those four pedals in person. Right. Actually, I think I've heard all of them in person. Uh, you know, they're, um, they're the kind of thing where you know some people they can't get their head wrapped around them. The people that get them and it clicks, it's like this is the only thing that does this. Yeah, and they're and that's the whole thing is like for me like these those are all were all kind of like effects where I'm like these are super incredible, but they're not effects that I even use. Right. Like I have never owned a phaser. I've owned You've one. Never owned a phaser. I've never. Uh, I I had a Dan Electro pepperoni phaser from okay. When, okay. when I first bought like the sure. food pedals, but I've never like gone gone on to like I should go buy a phaser. You part own a Grand Orbiter. Well, yeah, technically, <laughs> you know. Um, but like the Tonal Recall is the the pedal that the first pedal they've put out where I've been like. I really need to know what this is all about. Right. Like, I really want to dive into this. So yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to my turn. We'll get sure. it on your board for sure. It's a it's a trip. And well, it's, and it's, the tone control has a, has a lot of uh, a, a wide sweep on it. Mm-hmm. You can get really is dark it tap with tempo? it. tap tempo? It's tap tempo. And I just took my DD5 off the board, so there I'm you looking go. for a tap tempo. And it's, it's you hold down the tap tempo, and it will ramp to... Uh, which we see this on a lot of delays now, but it'll ramp to maximum uh, repeats. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, kind of, oh my gosh. But that's not, you don't even have to do anything. It's just sitting there waiting for you. So tap tempo, ramp up. I may have just up. knocked two delays off my board yeah. with that Yeah. Function. And two, two available presets on the pedal. And in, I'm sure infinite presets if you connect it to MIDI. Sure. All that sort of stuff. It's crazy. Well, I'm yeah. friggin' Joel Corte. <laughs> He's a mad scientist and just... It's brilliant. It's completely brilliant. I, let's not talk about this any longer. Yeah. Do we're, we want to get into um, logistical stuff, or do we want to get into you ads? mean uh, housekeeping? Housekeeping. Okay. <laughs> do we want to do some housekeeping? I mean, logist- uh, What are we moving around here, Steve? Logistics. Let's do some housekeeping. What's the same? What's the same? We have been waiting, I think, a really long time for this inner circle edition to happen. Yeah, I think I've been praying to the deity that I worship. Every day that this would happen, but knowing that the moment that it would happen, we would have to go back and scrub so much content from the inner circle, all the trash talking. I never got around to it, so hopefully this person hasn't looked back to see everything that we've said nasty about him yep. Welcome, on the show. Phil in Eisenhower. Buffalo Phil himself. To the inner circle. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wasn't there someone else that we forgot to mention um, joining the inner circle or did we take care of that last no, time no we took care of that last time okay good yeah but absolutely welcome to the inner circle buffalo phil he's uh, a a consistent and constant contributor on the regular facebook yeah. group i've met phil i met phil at cowerfest last met year phil phil is, phil is an interesting guy because the moment he discovered the podcast he took on a very stocky creepy persona <laughs> with us uh, to the point where it was like is this guy legit or is this a joke that we're not aware of the, an- the, the first, answer is yes <laughs> the answer is yes to both things but he took on this whole like i'm gonna track you down and skin you kind of persona <laughs> that's why when i came to wheel of pedals he only has my address because he's obsessed with you <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised if he's got a collage of pictures of me on his wall at home in all serious though phil's a really great guy you've met him in person yeah, yeah. i'm not legitimately uh, worried that he's in fact when I met him stalker. I was fl- uh, part because of Cowerfest and part because I was facilitating a beer for pedal guts trade between ah. him and Megan Lee oh yeah I remember that I hope I gave her that beer and it's not sitting in the 
in the hidden uh like the bootlegger pocket in my van still <laughs> i you should probably check that out yeah <laughs> <laughs> ah, who cares i'm pretty sure meg would have bothered me about it if i was still holding i mean if a, it's still in there beer for her it's been in a car for a year Are it's you, really aged aged to perfection aged to perfection I don't know about that one. Uh, so yeah, absolutely welcome to the to the inner circle Buffalo yeah. Phil. If, you, if anyone else wants to, to know you. more about supporting the podcast, just go to um, 60cyclehumcast.com and click on the link that says support the show yeah. and you can get all the information there. Absolutely. Because I'm tired of talking about this yeah. on every time. If, and a little bit of a window to, to let you know what kind of what you kind of get when you join the inner circle. Right now, uh, the inner circle is helping me debate what I'm going to do for the intro skit for the, uh, for the tonal recall. So I've got some ideas. I got, I have one idea. I'm going to pitch this on the air right now uh-huh. it's because it's probably not the best. It, every, obviously everyone wants a total recall spoof. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's the obvious thing. Absolutely. I want tonal recall to be a spinoff, like a, a rip on the classic, uh, name that tune game. <laughs> But I want so I want to I want to make a so you want me to just completely ignore the obvious Mars theme of the pedal the obvious wink. well the pedal no the pedal's just called tonal recall it has a Mars theme does it have a Mars theme a hundred percent how oh you can look at it later it has Mars on it it looks like it belongs in it's, space I know it's chrome and you'll, like when blue you and see red. It, You'll you'll be like, yeah, this is a Mars only pedal. All right, all right. Because every time, like, I was thinking about it yesterday. I was like, I was like, tonal recall. Like, you're talking about doing sh- the game show. We like, should just welcome go- to tonal yeah. recall. Welcome to tonal recall. Well, name that tone. Oh, oh, this this tone was used by Van Halen on their first album. What is the brown sound? That's right. <laughs> no, I, I was thinking more along the lines of like you hear like two seconds of a guitar tone. And you're like, oh, it's a tube screamer into a dumble. Oh, nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But then part of me wants to do that just because and then I the, want to do the, and op- then the I want to do the opposite of what everyone else wants. And then the kicker at the end of it would be there'd be a tone from the tonal recall, and someone would hear it and they'd be like, uh, and they'd be just completely stumped. And everyone on the panel is completely stumped. So that's an interesting concept. It's, yeah. it's a solid intro concept. What we should do. But I cannot ignore uh, right. that this pedal has to I, have something tonal, total recall themed. I've got it. We do the name, the, the tonal recall game show, and the winner gets an all expenses paid vacation to Mars. Oh my gosh. We'll send them on the rocket to Mars. All right. Anyway, um, so that's because we're going to raise a billion dollars to send someone to Mars. That's the kind of uh, crazy that um, you get involved with in the inner circle. Yeah. Or if you just want to send us a dollar a month uh, because, we, yeah, we because welcome, that's your gum budget and you decided that gum is bad for you. We, we we'll welcome p- pledging at any dollar amount, it helps us. At any dollar amount we've got a lot of five dollar pledges we've got a lot of ten dollar pledges we actually only have a few one dollar pledges so yeah. if you want to be a one dollar hero i am going to praise your name i want to see day. half of our listenership pledge one dollar 
that would be crazy. Half of our that's my challenge. Okay, let's stop this freaking PBS pledge drive right now and get into ads. We always do this. I know it's, it's so the easy. Worst. The problem is it's so easy. What, what is this thing I'm holding? It's a steamer for steaming vegetables. Penelope found this one of these at Vaughn's yesterday and she kept playing with it. You put it. it in the bottom of a pot with water and you can steam your broccoli. Oh, is with it because it. it fits to like any yeah, size pot? Yeah. Why are we talking about this? It's because you've drinking two of those beers so far. Shut up. <laughs> this is our first episode of the day, Steve. What are we going to do? All right. This episode is called Pizza Trade. Oh, Five. are we doing Pizza Trade first? I don't know. It's the first one on my list. Okay, let's do Pizza Trade. Five Guitar Rock Stand. I gotta find the ad. Five guitar rock stand, pretty good shape. When you're using five guitars at once, you can't beat it. What if I'm only using four? Anyway, uh, twenty dollars or trade for a large pizza with sausage and peppers. Uh, I got questions. Okay, what's your question? Um, any large pizza with sausage and peppers? Hmm, that's a good question. Because are they talking their local favorite pizzeria, or are they talking Little Caesars? Yeah, like. If I bring a Woodstock's pizza with sausage and peppers, that's a large 20 bucks is ballpark for like what that is going to cost. Now, it's going to be like 11 bucks. Also, is peppers green peppers or like pepperoncinis or jalapenos. jalapenos? I think he's saying, I think he's saying bell pepper. Bell pepper. All right. Regardless. Oh, man, this may, regardless. Oh, I'll, I super want pizza now. Dude, let's do that for lunch. Yeah, let's go get pizza after this. Um, we should probably Forget do it. Pizza trade? Yeah. yeah. Well, he's got a $20 value here. He wants a $20 pizza. I don't know that he wants a $20 pizza because sometimes people will trade for things that are unrelated just because like they uh, they want the... Uh, the convenience. The convenience. Like, think about it, right? He's This guy's sitting around. He's got the munchies. He's for whatever reason, he's like, I need a pizza right now. I'm not using this stand. Someone bring me a pizza right well, now. Like, well, think about this, right? So last Saturday, uh-huh. You had three guys over here hauling concrete, con- yeah. Concrete for you. Big uh, thanks to everyone who who helped who's a listener, by the way. And uh, and if you were to so and you've like all those guys every, two of those guys are listeners. Thanks, Cassidy. Thanks, Nate. Yeah. Yeah. I think Charles listens. You think so? I, I know, think he listened once. I know he's listened before. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So the the point being that like the offer on the table was like, oh, come do this thing and I'll feed you. Right. But if you were to like hire those guys that stand outside of Home Depot to come do this, <laughs> you would have paid like a butt ton of money. It so, would, I would have paid a bunch of money for sure. So, so I mean, obviously it's like the friends helping friends and stuff yeah. and, um, and whatever. And 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 that's kind of like the way those things were. It's like moving karma. Yeah, I know? I paid I paid people fifty dollars of food for two hundred dollars worth of work. Did you fifty dollars in food? I got a bunch of carne asada. I got a bunch of beer. So. Okay, no, so 50, only one not of those like, people drinks those. But not like fifty dollars in of per person. No, like fifty dollars total. total. Total split across four people. Yeah. So you know, obviously, wait. You came out. You came out on the on the yeah. plus side on this. If things went just fine. Yeah, yeah. My point being that maybe this guy's like saying like a 20, bu- 20 bucks, or you can just bring me like whatever the Pizza Hut deal on large pizza is right now, which might might be like an eight dollar right. large. I mean, it completely depends on the pizza that's available in his town, right? Of Chalfont, Chalfont. <laughs> Calfont? Um, Don't know where that is. Don't know how to say it. C H A L F O N T. 
I have no. But for twenty bucks, that's a great deal. For a pizza, it's a stellar deal. Um, I have one of these, and it's super convenient. I've been thinking about buying one for the church. Shalfont is in Pennsylvania. Just because it's way more convenient than a single guitar stand. Would you just put it in front of the drums? And everybody puts their instrument on it? Because um, it'd have to be a place. Yeah, probably. It'd have to be in a location where, like, all of us can reach it. It'd probably be right. So it'd it, have to be like. It wouldn't whatever. be pushed up against the drums, but kind of floating right well, there. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, the drums are on, like, a riser six yeah. inches back from this. From but, you know, we get all these stands going on, and I always. I'm worried that someone's. Because people are walking all over the stage. I'm always worried that someone's going to, like, accidentally trip over my cable and knock my guitar over. And that's not going to happen with one of these. I almost feel like you might be more prone to somebody tripping if they were all in the middle of the stage. But this isn't going to fall over like a normal guitar stand. Sure. That's my point. Okay. But uh, here's my question. Yeah. Uh, Knowing our local pizza culture and pizza availability, what would you bring this guy? From from which pizza place? (sighs) Well, I mean, I'm going to want to go as cheap as I can. So I'm bringing So you're going to be a cheapskate. I'm bringing him Domino's. Okay. Come on, you're man. You're going to bring him Domino's. You know what? Domino's is a lot better than it used to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When they Domino's did, is a step up from Little Caesars for sure. I, my, uh, when Domino's did their, um, the, came out with the new crust, uh-huh. uh, they jumped Papa John's in my book. <sighs> yeah. So it's a lot better. So my pizza hierarchy of major chains, Pizza Hut, Domino's. Papa John's and Little Caesars are kind of like a coin flip. I feel like Papa John's is a lot better than Little Caesars. Little Caesars is like this crust might as well be wet toilet paper kind of pizza. That's kind of how I feel about Papa John's. Really? I'm not a big fan of Papa John's. I guess I do like their garlic sauce. I do appreciate that they put pepperoncinis in all their pizzas. That's what I was going to say. I guess those things kind of win me over. But I don't feel like the pizza itself is bad. My wife hates it. So maybe there's which one, Papa uh, Little Caesars, Papa John's, Papa John's. I feel like my wife would take Little Caesars over Papa John's. Yeah, yeah. Little Ce- uh, Papa John's. Is, I think is, I know we have the nearest pizza place to us is a Papa John's. Uh huh. In fact, there's Pizza Hut. The Pizza Hut in uh, UTC closed. Oh really? Uh yeah. I don't know why. I think I think my two options, and I would have. To, I think I would write the guy and be like, "Do you have a preference?" Yeah. And if he didn't have a preference. I would choose either between getting like a nice pizza from there's a place called Best Pizza and Brew that's kind of like a you know yeah. like wood fired it's not wood fired but it's like a pizza it, oven place yeah like you know why they pizza you know what their name means right yeah. it means that they're the best pizza place in that mini mall yeah. Uh, yeah but it's probably the best pizza in Miramisa proper in my town proper there's better pe- uh, there's better pizza by the military base Knockout might be better have you ever gone to Knockout I haven't. Knockout's pretty solid. Okay, and yeah, if you go close, but that's to the, over on that Sorrento Valley side, isn't uh, it? I guess it's on the other. It's it's where. Welcome the, to Sixty Cycle Hum, the Pizza Geography Podcast. It's where um, Fresh and Easy used to be. Fresh and Easy isn't there anymore. No, it's been gone for a while. Really? Yeah, all my coworkers are pissed. Damn, I didn't know it closed. I yeah. see. That's how much I go over there. I had yeah. no idea. Uh, so yeah, that's right in that Sorrento Mesa, like on the on the border between Mira Mesa and Sorrento Mesa. I would call that Sorrento Valley. All right. Or if you, yeah, if you go close to the base, you got Polly's. Polly's is really freaking good. Yeah. But best pizza and, and beer is pretty good. It's, it's your kind of like gourmet, hipster style, thin crust sure. sort of pizza. Or I would go and get this guy like the New York Giant. <laughs> like $19 pizza. No, but he only if, wants a large. No, if the, that was large. If this guy is 
has the munchies and I show up with this, it's going to blow his mind. He's going to be like, he's going to look at me and think he's looking at an angel, you know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's not just because you're white with blonde, bright blonde hair? Yeah, it's not just because when I'm backlit, I actually look like an angel. And I've got these pesky wings. I got to say, like, so my go-to pizza in San Diego, and some of this is, like, because we figured out that it's, like, perf- like logistically perfect. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, and I, I actually, this is one of two restaurants that I do this with. Uh, Lolita's, my favorite Mexican food restaurant of all time. Uh-huh. I pick up the phone. I put my order in. I hang up the phone. I jump in my, they say, oh, 10 to 15 minutes. I jump in my car. It takes me 10 to 15 minutes to drive there. So when I arrive, it's like just ready, just ready for pickup most of the time. The other one is Woodstock's. I know you still love Woodstock. So Woodstock's in Pacific Beach. If I put in an order online and then immediately jump into my car and drive there, uh-huh. it's like the exact amount of time. I'm like, not a, it, I'm, they need like 20 to 30 minutes to prep, and it takes 20 to 30 minutes for me to get from my house yeah. to Woodstock's. And then here's the kicker. It comes out of the oven piping hot, so I throw it in my car. I drive another 20 to 30 minutes home, and when I get home, it's the perfect temperature. I don't want to talk about pizza much longer, but I'm not <laughs> a, I'm not big on Woodstock's anymore. It's a topping-heavy style pizza. Like sure. You definitely get premium toppings on it, premium cheese, but I feel like the crust is an afterthought. And I'm way I more... love their crust, man. The rollover? Really? Well, the rollover is neat, but the crust, the crust bread itself, I'm not stoked on. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Because they, they do the thing where the, the crust rolls over the sauce. Yeah. Which is really fun and uh-huh. really great. But this, the bread itself, I'm not into. I like a crispy, like stretchy. Oh. And it's yeah, more no. of like a bready, chewy. Yeah, I like it. I always get the wheat crust. Yeah. I mean, I think, like I said, I think they have a, a strong topping game. Uh, and of course, they're not local, technically. Are they? They're a chain. They're a chain. That they're like all. They're in like all the college towns up right, all, right. up and down the West Coast. So I think, I think the first one is in Portland. I wouldn't be surprised. But I'm not sure. Let's stop talking about pizza, and move on to some other stuff. Well, we t- pulled the pizza ad. I know, right? Uh, these guitar stands. If you ever have a curiosity about these guitar stands, I have one. I think they're great. They're a space saver. Is this one folded up? The one in the picture? Yeah, the, the, okay. the, the legs are folded up. And which if is you a, want one that your wife won't complain about how it looks, uh, what's Doug's company called? I forget the name of the model, but yeah, look up Doug Cowers, uh, uh, uh stand that's made out of like really nice wood and looks like a piece of furniture. I don't know what those cost, but uh, if you need something furniture grade, that's a way to go for sure. Um, this yeah, is this is really, pretty bare bones metal. Uh, this is your standard five guitar stand that's made out of the you know the square pipe aluminum or whatever. Let's move on to the next ad. We have been talking about this way too long. Uh, I feel like we should only do one more ad, and I think it should be the Dave and Buster's. Really, one. you don't want to do the other one? Based on our time over here. Well, that's what you get. <laughs> well, let's let's do one more ad, and if we have time. We'll we'll hit one more ad after the topic. All right, I don't understand. You really want to do this one? It's let me let me get to it. I'm scrolling through new Dave and Buster's electric guitar with amp, hundred and fifty dollars or best offer. New Dave and Buster's electric guitar with amp, hundred fifty dollars. Steve couldn't be more bored. Opened it to take pictures. So this Uh, is this is basically a Strat with no pick guard. Right. It's obviously one of the prizes from Dave and Buster's. Yeah. Uh, I guess. Have you ever been to Dave and Buster's, Steve? Once. Once. I went there for a kid birthday. 
for a kid's birthday? It's supposed yeah. to be for adults. Uh, it was actually pretty. It, so it was like we went. It was like in the middle of the day on a Saturday. Uh-huh. It was pretty choice for a kid birthday. Oh really? It's like Chuck E. Cheese. If Chuck E. Cheese wasn't Obnoxious. so um, annoying. Yeah, because you got all the games there. Now some of the games like are not like kid approved. No, not it's at like all. It's like freaking boobs and zombies and heads exploding and stuff. Right. Um, but for the most part, like you know, you got your classics, your skee ball, you got your arcades and whatever. Yeah. You're riding motorcycles and things like that. I don't know. I guess. I guess if you get a kid who's getting a little bit older, then it's probably more. No, it was for a six year old. No, it's like yeah, six year old. Jeez, man, I don't know. I don't think I would take six years old to. To Dave and Buster's, uh, but like Dave and Buster's, if you don't have one in your city or your town or your country or whatever, uh, it's basically like a kids' amusement park style restaurant with like video games. But, but they serve beer. It's for adults. Yeah, it's a bar. It's it's really kid friendly. It's a bar restaurant. It's kid. Okay, it, we it, weren't. Let's put it this way: the I went there for a kid party, and we were not the only kid party happening. When we were there, there was like four other ones going on. Okay, so this, so it sounds like a thing. So kid parties in the mid, at like one o'clock on a Saturday is definitely a thing. That, but that let's be honest. Uncommon. Let's be honest about who Dave and Buster's markets to. Oh, bros! They market to <laughs> the young. They market to young adults, people yeah. who want to go party and be kind of childish at the same time. Yeah, uh, Dave and they Bu- want it, but at the same time, but before they drink a bunch of beer and play skee-ball and, you know, whatever video game is there, they also want to have, you know, like a grilled salmon dinner, yeah. you know. <laughs> I don't know about that, but the- last time I was there, it was like like it, crazy menu. Yeah, I mean, if you go to the restaurant thing, but like even like their their I guess apps or whatever starters uh-huh. are a little more adult oriented. Like, yeah. You know, hummus plates and buffalo wings and things like that. Like, you know, the you game- know what Dave and Buster's is, is Dave and Buster's is like good, like is a solid like first date place. Sure. Like you take someone there. It's like, this is casual. Let's see how we like each other. There's fun things we can do to distract ourselves. So we don't have to talk if it gets awkward. Oh my gosh. We can have drinks and we can have dinner, you know? Hey, like it's a casual th- first date thing. This is our opportunity for me to simultaneously show you how great I am at skee-ball. Right. But when you're only 10 points ahead of me and it's time for me to drop the 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 the, the killing the killing blow, the fatality, right. I'm, I'm going to tank it on purpose just to show you that I'm a really nice guy. Right. It's, you, you, what it is is it's a permanent county fair sort of thing sure for you to take someone on a date sure. to that's fair uh in your in your what does this have to do with the ad i don't the we, ad has this guitar i'm not sure if this is a commercial for or against we've been Dave talking about things anything but gear this episode <laughs> pizza and now freaking simultaneously like doing a commercial for dave and busters ever. but i'm just gonna say i hate dave and busters really <laughs> i don't like going there uh how many times have you been there but i I went there a bunch of times because a local band. I don't know. I went there a bunch of times because I had a bunch of gift cards. Okay. That were like for ten bucks at a time, and you could only use one a, a day. Yeah. And my college was down the street, so I oh, went. Oh yeah, yeah. I went three times a week and played skee ball. Good lord. <laughs> when I was in college. Um, uh, See, I've only been there once, so I'm like, yeah, this isn't the worst thing ever. So I hate Dave and Buster's, but I love skee ball. Is is the thing. Uh, I would totally get a ski ball in my house if I could find a place to put it. Um, in your garage. Uh, but 
this is a obviously a prize. It's got a giant Dave and Buster's logo on it. Yeah. This is the sort of thing where if you're a guitarist and you have the amount of tickets, the prizes aren't great there. You get the thing that's the lesser of the all the evils. And so you're like, oh, I'm going to get this. But then you get this and you take it home. Do you hang it on the wall? Do you case it? Do you leave it laying around on a stand? Here's the problem. No matter what happens, if people see it, they're going to be like, Already as an adult, like, unless you have really nice guitars, if you have just guitars laying around, if you're a young adult, people are like, oh, guitarist, you're kind of like a slacker. <laughs> and then and then it's like a Dave and Buster's guitar. It's like, it's slacker times slacker. So you've got like four times the slacker, like, indicated here. You do not, like, if, say it's your first date. And okay. you take you take this uh, person that you're interested in to Dave and Buster's, and then they end up back at your place, and you have a Dave and Buster's guitar. They're like, "What the hell? Yeah. This <laughs> person is an adult child. No. This person goes on a lot of first dates." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Here's it's the- totally like a weird like. I want to say like Adam Sandler ish adult child indicator sort of thing. <laughs> like you don't you don't want like i can understand like the superman guitar that you got at the county fair i don't understand that one like more or the Batman more guitar. than this like this is the indication of you spending way too much time at dave and buster's <laughs> and you being an adult child here's what i want and you probably here's, you know your furniture is probably made out of milk crates and here, stuff like here's that here's what i want costco comes out with a you costco probably branded sleep on guitar a futon. Costco comes out with a Costco branded guitar, $50 each, but you have to buy a four pack. <laughs> it's got a fat Kirkland signature logo in the middle of it. So I think the only reason I wanted to talk about this was just like the social implications of having a Dave and Buster's guitar. And obviously this guy recognizes that issue, which is why he's selling it. Here's what I want to know. All right. You're asking $150 for this guitar. Best um, offer should be $45 on this. Right. Um, this is probably a garbage guitar with every yeah. everything is just absolutely like the lowest quality. Yeah. Um, that would be my assumption because it's you know, like you said, it's like county fair. Yeah. Um the thing that I have to wonder is how much money did this guy spend oh. on tokens? <sighs> Or whatever, well, here's the thing, whatever was, system they use in order to get the um, to get the number of because because this type yeah. of item would be like thirty thousand tickets. Yeah, yeah. No. Okay. Let me tell the end. And of they my, sell those tickets at like ten, like fifty cents per ticket or whatever. Here, here's the end of my story for my gift cards thing. I had acquired. I I want to say probably like twenty of these ten dollar gift cards. Yeah. Um. It, I didn't spend any of the tickets that I won playing skee ball because literally I just went there and I played skee ball for half an hour. Well, the problem is this skee ball is not hour. a high reward game. But I played it so often, uh-huh. and by the time I was done, I was just keeping all the tickets in my car, and so I had a grip of tickets. The last day before the cards I had left expired, yeah, I went in there, I played skee ball one more time. I went through and I looked at all the prizes and I was like, this is all garbage and I don't want any of this. And so as I walked out of the prize area, I handed the entire like giant wad of tickets I had accumulated to like an, a 12 year old kid who was walking nice. in. I was like, here you go, kid. That's have, the way to do it. Have fun. And he was like, his mind was blown. But my scenario that I'm imagining for this guitar, this guy, 
first date. Goes there, you know, having fun. The girl, he says something crude or something happens. The girl's like, screw you. I'm out of here. She leaves. He's already, he was already trying to like win her like a teddy bear or something like right. that. So he's already like halfway there. And he's looking at her like, I got to get something for myself. This sucks. I'm here alone now. I'm going to get that guitar. And so he sits there on the thing that's got the light that goes in a circle and you try to stop it in oh, the yeah, right place. Yeah. And he sits there and he just feeds dollar after dollar into that thing. Yeah. So you think he, do you think he actually hit the jackpot or you think he just like did a dollar? I think he poured about 300 bucks into getting this. Oh my gosh. Cause there are, so, so, you know, having a six year old, you get invited to more Chuck E. Cheese parties. Sure. Um, so the last time I was there, I found a game that like if that can be, I found a game that could be gamed. Sure. Like I found one where it's like you throw it like I, I think it's like a quarter or like a token at a time. Uh huh. And since I wasn't putting on the party, like I just you know they bought like five hundred tokens for everyone who showed up. Nice. You know everybody gets like. 20 tokens so i sat there with like 20 tokens uh-huh. it's one of these ones where it like the thing spins around and you just got to like shoot it through the slot at the right time uh-huh if you get as long as you do it within the right time limit if you get like the first one in you get like three tickets the second one in you get like 10 tickets the third one in you get like 30 tickets damn so you end up maybe if you're paying attention to the timing because the timing is pretty consistent uh-huh it's and each level you go up it goes faster Right. But if you once you figure out the timing and you have a feel for it, like you can spend like 15 tokens on it and get like 50 tickets out yeah. of it. Probably way more than 50 tickets because I think it's like you get 10. And then I you, think the way it is is yeah. you get 10 and then 20, 30, 40. And then you can get two whistles and a racer. Well, that's the whole thing. <laughs> it's like all this stuff and then I give it to Penelope and she's like, oh, I want a Super Bowl. I'm like, great. You have this thing that I actually can't let you play with because you never put it away. And your sister just eats everything that's right. on the floor. When I when I used to go to Chuck E. Cheese when I was a kid, there was one game where if I wanted the tokens, it was the one where you'd like shoot a, a ball bearing down a ramp and it like flies into the frog's mouth. Right. I had that thing figured out. And that thing would just spit to- spit uh, tickets at me. Yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about this anymore. We're at, <laughs> we're at 40 minutes now. Dang. So we've only done two ads, 40 minutes, just talking about Dave and & Buster's and local pizza places, which is garbage. Um, let me pull up. Um, let me see if I can find it again real quick so I can get the full text. Nah, I lost it. All right, never mind. I found it. Uh, this topic was posted on my call for topics on the Facebook group. It is from Ryan Rotaski uh, of Fuzzrocious Pedals. Yeah. Uh, so we've done demos for him. We did the Ram the Nam parts and we did the Feed Me. Uh, both really great pedals, really fun and unique. Uh, but his question is, how much does the vibe slash story pub slash public voice and face of a gear company weigh on you supporting them? Example, if someone is mean on the interwebs to people through their business or personal social media, do you not support them? What do you have to say about it? I know there are definitely builders that I've avoided. Uh Uh-huh. Because they kind of have a reputation. There are also builders that, like, 
it kind of cuts both ways. Sure. So I'm going to name some people, a couple people. Um, I you don't name names. Yeah, huh? I'm going to name names. Um, to kind of a uh, uh, point to make a point, like so, like Mike Fuller has a terrible reputation. Yeah, from Full Tone. Um, Full Tone. You know, I've used a few of their pedals. Like I, I've used like three or four of their pedals off and on like they're they work i guess if they're your flavor that's awesome uh-huh um but i know like mike fuller is a guy who a lot of people avoid jhs pedals a lot of people avoid that company because of josh's association with um a specific church in kansas city sure um so so i know that that's definitely something that plays in at the same time like you know it's interesting to me like there are things like fuller has a reputation of being a jerk uh, a, jer- a jerk. A jerk. <laughs> That's a common. If you're a jerk at church, you're a jerk. Right. Uh, so Fuller has a reputation of, of being a jerk. I, I don't know. I've never personally interacted with them. Uh huh. Um, I know, uh, like I said, Josh is kind of has this uh, church association going on. Uh huh. Um, one of the guys who I think is just really amusing. And I, I can see some people avoiding him because he's like so over the top. But then at the same time, like his bluntness is what attracts me to uh-huh. the company. It rubs people, is, some people the wrong way. Is, I've gone to a point where like everything Jack DeVille makes, I'm in, at least interested in. <laughs> Jack DeVille such like because, I, I totally I totally knew who you were leading up to. Uh, well, because I just bought a bunch of right. his stuff. He's totally the kind of person that you know, I've seen people online who are like, this person rubs me the wrong way. I'm, I don't know if I can support this. That's my type of character, man. He's a character and I love it. Uh, I, you know, I, I realize that that's not for everyone. And if that, if his personality and the way he puts himself out into the world is, uh, it puts you off, then maybe you won't buy his stuff. Right. But I think his stuff is good, and I think his personality is at at the very least uh, very entertaining to me. Um, so, so all this being said, like I think public persona does absolutely at this point in the market, absolutely. Like nobody cares about the guy who founded Boss or Roland. No, but despite the fact that EHX is kind of like for for all useful purposes, like everything they make is imported. Um, they, I know they it's, still they do the assembly they in, do the, in New York. So I don't even know if they do. The, the, at least no, the board, do. I think they do. The boards I know are printed internationally. But I think they put the do boxes. They, do they together. actually pop? They populate, but do they actually populate the boards here? I couldn't. I couldn't say. But they, there's a component to the assembly that's done in right, in right. New York. But the but that being said, like the public persona of EHX for people who are 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 in the gear. I don't even want to say we're not like gear industry people, but we're industry we're, now. We're nerds. Yeah, we're guitar nerds, like right. the guitar nerds guys. We're like the people media. Who, people who are gear hipsters or whatever you want sure. to call us, like people who, who, as soon as a new pedal comes out, we're like, whoa, what's go? What's the story yeah, on this? I have like, to know about we this. find out quickly. Like we're we're trolling the Reddits and all right, these right. different places to find out what the latest greatest thing is. Um, to us, EHX is. Is all about Mike Matthews. It is Mike Matthews. It doesn't matter that other people work there. Like it's it doesn't Mike matter that Mike Matthews probably didn't design it. It's yeah. It's like this is Mike Matthews. It doesn't product. matter that Mike Matthews probably hasn't done anything since the Big Muff except lift weights. You know, uh, <laughs> when when we go to Nam and I see Mike Matthews, I get excited. I'm like, there's Mike Matthews. Right. He's, he's you know a gear celebrity. 
And it's kind of interesting, like... And he's an interesting character. You see videos of Mike Matthews, you see him talking, like, this guy's got personality. Yeah, and a lot of companies actually... Uh, Bigger, big and small kind of operate this way. So in the case of Fuzz, Fuzz Rocious, all I, as far as I know, they're like a two person company. It's just Ryan and his wife. Well, you have to count his kids too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so does that make them a, a four person company, I but think there's so. a child labor component? <laughs> Fuzz Rocious uses child labor? <laughs> um, but you know, there's different things yeah, like but that. It's, it's child labor in the United States. So made in the USA with child labor. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that I think has been like a big boon um, for Matthew's effects is the fact that it's, as far as I know, it's just Rick, and he's super mm, responsive to everything, yeah. and he's the nicest guy in the world. Absolutely. Um, so, so when people recommend Matthew's effects, they're not just saying like, "Oh, the cartographer is a great overdrive," or right. or you know, this this pedal is a great pedal. They're also saying this pedal is a great pedal, and Rick is like the greatest person to work with. This, yeah, this stuff goes a really long way these days in the pedal world and in the guitar world. You don't see it as much in the amp world. You see it a bit, but amps are still kind of more, I think, seen as like a factory product. I think that's largely because I mean, you've got, just, you there's got, just not the market saturation. You, the only two guys I can think of where it's like, wow, you know, you've got these people who have personality behind their amps is, you know, Tim Marcus from Milkman and, uh, and then Benson, Chris Benson from Benson Amps. Well, and that. Like they'll get on. They'll, they're I'll, active. I'll throw. Th- I'll throw this way too to add on to that. I've only met three amp built. Three amp builders. Right. Uh, Tim Mar- again. Tim Marcus and Chris Benson and Adam Grimm from Satellite. From amps. Satellite. Uh, no, yeah, I take that back. I've met um, John Thompson from Bad Cat. Okay. Oh but, yeah, that's but right. But like, I haven't met. You have. You don't. There's not as many amp companies. I think it's more. For, I think that's more of a market saturation issue, though. I think if you saw the same number of high-end amp and high-end yeah. U.S.-made amp companies that you do with pedal companies. Yeah. Um, it's a lot easier to And that's a probably company. turnaround. Like, yeah. if you're building pedals by hand and you're really dedicated to do it, um, you can probably, at the slowest, you're probably putting out, if you're just, like, if you're doing, like, a spare time kind of a thing, uh-huh. you're putting out one pedal every two days. I have no idea. I have no, no you idea. can spare time build like maybe one pedal every two days once you have a routine going. Uh huh. Obviously, if you like have a company where you have to produce, where your goal is to produce X units a year, like you got to figure something else out. But if you're just like a hobbyist who like you come home from your real from your day job and then you're coming home and you're building a pedal because some people want whatever thing you're making, like right. one pedal every two days, maybe one pedal every day if you've really got it streamlined is like a reasonable expectation. I don't think that like because there's so much more work that goes into amp building. Uh-huh. Even if you're like I I just don't imagine i've never and i say this because i've built pedals but i've never built an amp so i can't but i can't imagine like the turnaround at the hobbyist level for amp building yeah is anywhere near as close like people i've known who are hobby who have built amps as like a hobby have all talked about like a single amp taking like two like a month or two to yeah. build and figure you're building out you're building the the box where you're building the chassis 
you're you're assembling yeah. the guts and i'm sure i'm sure the guts part of it is probably similar to building a pedal outside of the fact that it could kill you yeah uh but that but the the fact that you're building the furniture around this thing and dealing with, you know, the wrapping it and the, the aesthetics and stuff like that. I mean, the, the stomp box is printed. You have it sure. printed, but a lot of times uh, there are companies out there that handle that for other pedal companies. Yeah, and, and I mean, some guys honestly are, they're not even doing printing. They're printing out, um, they're doing like yeah stickers and then just clear coating it. So it looks like it's printed. Yeah. Um, so I and but in that case, like because I think there are so many options available, personality starts to play a greater role. Absolutely, and if you uh, there's there's so much so many pedal companies out there right now. You need to connect with your consumer base to have a leg up on the competition. If you're not connecting, if you're not getting your personality out there, and if you're not being friendly and helpful. Then you're you probably are going to lose people. There have definitely been companies where issues that seem like they were poorly handed, handled, handled. <laughs> Steve is uh, working on his third beer right now. Poorly handled by the company. Um, it becomes part of internet yeah. lore. Uh, in fact, one of the people on the Facebook thread where you asked for topics mentioned. Um, said that he took a pedal off of his board uh-huh. because he didn't want people asking him about it because he knew that company's reputation was bad. Right. And that was all based on one individual. It's yeah. a company we've talked about before. I don't really want to I don't get into bring it. it up. Um, but like that's the kind of impact it can have. And if you're a small builder who's like three, like a three-person company, in this case it was like a guy and like family members. Right. Like that's the kind of impact it can have where people who are using your stuff are like, well, I mean, it's really just an overdrive. I can probably find something similar from someone else. Right. Let's see what I can do just to get this thing off my board because I I don't really, I don't. I mean, a big a big component of the gear culture right now, especially on the internet, if people are active on the internet, is showing off their boards and yeah. answering questions about the stuff that they have. If people feel yeah. embarrassed about connections that their gear has, then that. That has an effect. I'd like to think that IKEA has sold a significant number of shelving units since I started putting my board oh, on our probably. Instagram. They've made at least at least a hundred dollars off of your endorsement. That means they've sold ten of those things. I was thinking <laughs> they've only sold like maybe two. So thank you, Ryan, you, for the, thinking that we have that big of an impact on the I wouldn't consumer be surprised. Market. You know what? We we have uh, roughly, we estimate just over three thousand listeners. We have almost a thousand people on the Facebook group, and I'd estimate probably one hundred and fifty of those uh, are active on the Facebook group. Here, here. So, the, the, of all the people that we see posting things, you have to figure there's twenty nine hundred people out there who have no idea what they're doing. Right. And if we base it on what we have seen people do, then you s- multiply it by that number. Sure. So. Um. So, so I mean, all of this just to say that, that there's definitely like a huge impact, and sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. It, it kind of just depends on what you're going for, and I think that once you've established yourself as a company, you can take risks. Sure. I, and I mean, I I, I think mean I, that's something that we've seen. Uh, Daniel Tyak at Salvage Custom kind of have to kind of pull in because Daniel is a, is a big personality guy. Yes. Lots of personality there. 
And the trade-off in that is sometimes you say, the big personality people say what's in their head and what Mm -hmm. they're thinking. And sometimes it's not the right thing to say. And so I know part of his struggle has been kind of maybe put, not, you know, he'd probably chime in and say it differently, but, you know, putting a filter on certain things and talking to customers a different way. Well, when you're a person, and too, when you're a person with a Facebook page, you have to figure out pretty early on, like, I, I have other builders on my people you may know all the time because it's like being in a building community. Now, there are some builders who have friend requested me. Uh huh. There are others that I've friend requested because I've interacted with them enough. But there are a bunch of them that like, like there are guys that I have like, I don't know, like 50, 60, 70 mutual friends with. Yeah. Where I look at them I'm like, okay, I know who this person is, but like. I've never talked to them. I've never talked to them outside of like maybe one group one time. But I have all these mutual friends with them. And part of that is because, like, okay, you go on Gear Talk. You ask a question about JHS Pedal. Yep. Josh Scott answers the question. Without even being tagged a yeah, lot of Yeah, without any, He's just there. He sees it. Or, you know, regardless of whether or not he's tagged. Like, he right. responds to it. It's easy enough to say somebody tags you and you go in and you, like, ignore it. Yeah. Whatever, right? And for someone running a business, the qu- how quickly he responds. Nah, let's to be things. honest. Josh probably pays somebody to run his Facebook for him. <laughs> I don't think so, no, man. I, I'm just kidding. But my, my, so hold yeah. on. it doesn't matter. Uh, my, my point is that like, so when he does that, like he probably gets like three dozen friends requests. Sure. From that. So, so I see a lot of this and then you friend request this person thinking like, Oh, they're a gear person. Like they're going to like put, whatever the newest news with their company is on their Facebook page, but that's just not the case. And then you find out like, and I'll go in and talk about this because it's pretty much public knowledge. Sure. Again, like Josh has like certain church associations that some people don't like. Some people don't like that. He's a Christian at all. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so he posts something about Christianity and you're friends with him on Facebook and you're like, what the heck, man? This guy's talking about Christianity. I don't want to buy anything from this guy anymore. I thought, you know, so you're seeing what would normally be a private part of a person. Right. But now with social media, like everything is public, whether or not you want it to be or not, like people will connect the dots one way or another. Uh You know, someone might say, you know, say, say at some point we have a bunch of excess money. Sure. Uh, on the podcast fund, and we find something. I like that, the sound of that. And we find a cause that we really believe in, and we so we say we're going to pledge a thousand dollars to this thing. Right. And somebody else says, like, "Oh, look at this really cool thing that these guys did." And say we do it privately, so we only advertise sure. it on our personal Facebook pages, but we're friends with people, other people, you know, through the podcast and sure, whatever sure. who who advertise it on their own. So it becomes public knowledge that we did this thing. And then somebody's like, look at this thing. These guys gave $1,000 to this organization that I don't agree with. Sure. And so it turns into a, did they do the right thing by supporting these people? Did they do the wrong thing? Like, Right. And that's kind of how these like pers- persona things get built up. That's in the case of JHS. Like a lot of the things that got built up about more recently, I say recently, like in the past like two or three years, about the JHS, the company have have to do with like personal decisions of people in the business, right. and that's kind of like how all of these things work. And it, it's been kind of interesting, like to be friends with owners and see them like post like things on Facebook where I'm like, 
you guys really must have a lockdown on your on like your fan base or whatever. Or sure. Like, or the people well, who are friends with you. There's only so much you can do. You still have to be your own person. Exactly. But, but you know, even with us, I mean, I think I used to be a lot more liberal with stuff I would post on my personal Facebook. But we have all kinds of, you know, please, unless you're going to be a real friend of me, please don't friend request me on, on Facebook. We can interact through the Facebook group. But when people friend request me, I generally accept the request. Yeah, me too. Uh, I don't really have anything to hide, but I, I'm more guarded with my posts now because I know it's not just close friends yeah. and family who see the stuff. It, it's actually, it's kind of sad in some ways, like I don't, I barely use my personal Instagram anymore. Yeah, I. Well, it's just not, Facebook isn't really even interesting I to don't me use in a personal Facebook a lot context for anymore. Personal things anymore. Yeah, and some of that's like the public persona question, and some of that's just because I just don't have time. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, as a branding perspective, definitely for small companies, like the way you brand yourself, you know, you and, have to consider this stuff. It's like it's like being any other kind of celebrity where if, you know, yeah, if it, people find out that, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. strangled a puppy in the middle of the street, like it's going to be in the news and people are going to hate him for it, you know? And not to beat the dead horse. This is a completely yeah, dead if horse. If Robert Downey Jr. beat a dead oh, horse in the middle of the street, people are going to find out. Um, you know, you look at, uh, as far as persona goes, like, Kirk Hammett started a pedal company. <laughs> How many units did that company sell? Right. Just because Kirk... I mean, as much as like we... I'm sure he's going to be plenty successful. As much as we've joked about that, as much as I think there have been public relations missteps with that with certain aspects of the community, uh-huh. Kirk Hammett is, has a reputation as one of like rock and roll's nice guys. Sure. Um, so a lot of people who have been fans of Metallica for years... Right. And are fan even if they're not fans of Metallica, they they appreciate that Kirk Hammett like has is a reputation as one of rock and roll's nice guys are gonna be like oh KDH whatever KDHK pedals like oh I'll I'll check them out I guess and that's gonna be their um you know oh I've got this Boss DS one but maybe I should check out what these guys are selling right right that's gonna be their uh, stepping stone into the high end pedal world yeah and that guy's he's probably gonna sell everything through musicians running guitar center and stuff like that sure and people who go in who maybe aren't plugged into online communities or don't know about other brands and be like oh yeah why wouldn't I get this and, you know, I love Kirk Hammett I love Metallica yeah. so, so so he's there, gonna he's gonna be just fine he's gonna sell there stuff. I think there I think there's an interesting gamble because you know when when he came out and said the things that he said like the industry us included yeah we're all going nuts going like this what is this guy talking about uh, yeah but the reality is is like maybe like was Personally, I would like to think that it was just maybe there was just ignorance on his part. Uh-huh. But there are a lot of people who think it was calculated in saying that the number of people that I alienate will be will be like so minuscule compared to the number of people I attract by making the statement. Right, right. And and that's kind of like this public persona balance. In the case of Fuzz Rocious, like, you know, I we we can't Going back, and, and I only bring up Fuzz Roaches because it's Ryan asking this. Yeah. Like, in light of certain things that we've talked, come up recently on our Facebook group, and different things, like someone pointed out, like, oh, well, Fuzz Roaches made a pedal that has, like, a, a penis on it. 
Right. Like, oh, why aren't you guys like boycotting this thing? And it's like, well, you know, because we, I maybe, it's, you know, because dicks get, are funny. When you, well, that's true. <laughs> Uh, but no, there are, I, I wanted to save that conversation for the next episode. I, I just want to say that that whether or not it's fair, when you feel like you have a personal relationship with a person, sure, it's a lot easier to forgive. for us as a media outlet sure. to be like, oh, well, this guy said this person, but we kind of know what this what this person's heart is, right? So it's a little easier for us to be like, oh, well, they said this thing, but. But like, you know, they're a really nice guy. Yeah, yeah. And that's where, again, where public persona kicks in and it can be like a big benefit yeah. because you're like, no, I mean, no, 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 that this person's not a total turd. Speaking of Fuzzrocious, I mean, I, I've, I've, I think I've seen people talk about this online. Fuzzrocious, they, they theme their, their pedals after kind of like. Kind of dark, spooky, occulty kind of things. Like one's called the demon and stuff right. like that. And it's like they a lot of their dark. The that dark- one was originally the OC demon, and we talked about it on a very early episode. Uh huh. And I think they got like a. I don't know if it was a cease and desist or what, but from full tone. From full tone yeah. over that one. Uh, you know they they play around with this kind of you know like a darker kind of element with their art. Yeah. But it's also kind of mixed with like a cartoony element, and so someone from who's not completely familiar with Fuzzrocious would be like, "Oh, these guys are like Satanists, or like they're into the occult, or this and that." Right. And then you learn more about them, and you realize that they're like a full-on family operation, <laughs> like a husband and wife. The husband making the pedals, the wife hand painting the art, and then the kids even hand paint the art. And there's then you start to get this impression that it's more of like a very tongue in cheek and very like kind of lighthearted sort of thing. And it's not like, Oh, we're Satan worshipers sort of thing, which they might be. I don't know what they do. If they are, they're really nice about it. Yeah. So. I mean, whatever. They're definitely not proselytizing. About yeah. They it. haven't tried to convert me to Satan. So, <laughs> and, and <laughs> but I mean, it's, but it's like, you know, your first impression could be one thing, but then it's changed by your interactions with the personality behind it. You know, yeah, I, it all operates at a lot of different levels. There's so many different angles to take on this. A few, uh, maybe like a year or two ago, uh, Hartley Peavy was on Undercover Boss. Yeah, that oh, was well, that well, was a snafu. Hart- Hartley wasn't like someone from his company, I right? Think right. Was. Uh, or was it Hartley? Was I can't remember. Else? Anyway, Peavy was involved with the show Undercover Boss. That was a whole like. It was a super misstep. CBS says one thing. PV released a press release saying like, well, it was edited to make us look like bad guys. Right. And like this closure was like already planned and whatever, whatever, this and that, whatever. So it's one of those things. I mean, basically the the guy did like an undercover boss thing and like did like did the whole thing working in his own factory. And then at the end of the episode, they put up a, a title sequence that says this factory closed down and they moved their production to China or something right. like and, that. And PV's response was basically, and, and, and I don't disagree with them on this uh-huh. and people might take issue with this is, uh, is that like, they were like the last company to move their production to China. Right. Right. So, so I mean, it, it sucks, but right. it's not like it's a step that the rest of the industry hasn't happened and we can debate whether or not companies should be moving their their production to china but the reality is is that 
It's a thing that happens. It's right. business. But that that Better. was a total like marketing snafu that they did that and then it lined up poorly with their business move right. and things like that. But that's stuff like that definitely, you know, people, you know, this this equipment, and I think we should try to wrap this up because we're at an hour now. Uh, what? We're at an hour? But Oh, man. But people absolutely 100% wrap up their personality in the guitar gear that they, that they buy and that they own and that they keep. Yeah. And they're like, this is part of my rig. This is part of me. This represents me. If your product becomes something that someone doesn't want to be associated with, then they're going to kick it to the curb. A lot of, a lot of people are going to kick it to the curb. Some people aren't. I'm probably the type of personality who's not going to. I'll so, I'll keep stuff around no matter what. But uh, yeah, so social, but a lot of people will. Social media has definitely evolved to a point where, when you if you are involved in in social media, then uh-huh. the things that you post on social media are part of your own personal brand. Yeah, and if you are including other brands in that, especially small brands, right. Uh, like if I post something from Nabisco and somebody says like, oh, Nabisco did this and that and whatever, I'm going to be like, it's a freaking Oreo. Get off my back. Right, right. Um, if I post something from a small builder, like in some ways, like I feel connected to that person. Sure. So, you know, if I if I post a picture with a Fender guitar, like I feel like, oh, you know, that's like the working man's brand. Right. If I post a picture with a Roni guitar, like whatever the things are that Paul represents himself as, uh-huh. those are the things that somehow represent what I stand for. Sure. It's really weird to say that. But it's that, totally like, so, true. That somebody else's product represents what I'm repre- represents well, uh, like in generally a way, what I believe in morally. In a way it represents a lifestyle. Yeah. So. But but unfortunately like that's kind of the world that we live in now. Well everything Where, you know, I think I think people want a lot of people have the the wish that nothing means anything and everything means nothing. Well and, that's the way it used to be. That's capitalism. Whoever makes the best stuff is the king of capitalism. Right. So it's it's a touchy area and it's different for everyone. But it's like if you're running a business, you absolutely have to consider the stuff. Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, do we want to uh, wrap this up and talk about the song? Let's talk about this song. Uh, we had a song sent in by Paul Pennington, who's in the inner circle, um, and he said a thing. I'm trying to find. I don't know how to use my phone. Uh, oh, he was in a band. This song is called The Best Thing About NASCAR Are The Crashes. I'm not going to say that's not true. I agree with it. I uh, mean, I've said, never watched a NASCAR race, but I've seen plenty of crashes. He wrote a four-paragraph response. or a, Not response, but when we asked for songs, if you want to send us a song, uh-huh. if you think your song is better than this song, if you think your song is worse than this song, send it to 60cyclehumpcast at gmail.com. Here's what Paul said. Sorry about this, guys. I was young and dumb once, and this is what happens when you're young and dumb. The bad news is this is pretty awful, but the good news is it's only 40 seconds long. <laughs> this might be the shortest <laughs> song we've ever played. I think so. This band is called The People They Get Up and Kill. Oh, my gosh. They Oh, sorry. The People They Kill Get Up and Kill. Right. 
Uh, the people they kill, get up and kill, is a noise core band that is just about as weird as they come. With reviews like this, who would want to hear this? That's a lot of this. Uh-huh. Japanther said, you may just be the worst band I've ever heard. And Kissy Face Fight said, make it stop. Uh, <laughs> Paul said he did some vocals and most of the guitar work, if you want to call it that. This was report- recorded in a garage band. Wow. This You're having a rec- tough time. This was recorded in GarageBand years ago, so it may be a little foggy on what we used. I know I play a 94 Squire Strat in white with a Ralph Wiggum sticker through a JCM 900. All drums were on Fruity Loops. And oh my those gosh. Were, and those were not my fault, but I still feel responsible. <laughs> right about now would be a good time to turn off the podcast or turn down your stereo. Again, 60 Cycle Hum presents The People They Kill, Get Up and Kill, and this song is called The Best Thing About NASCAR Are the th- Are the Crashes. Oh my gosh. This is Steve. This is Ryan. Have a good week. Later, guys. Hey!